Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Well, hey there, all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of, well, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, independent comics, comics of all kinds. I'm here to talk comics, it just happens to be DC Comics this week. Why? Well, interesting question with a, a straightforward answer. You've arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 95, and as the music begins to, well, fade away, we have only you, me, and a great collection of comics to talk about. Here on episode number 95, I'll be taking all of the books from March 2nd, giving you my top five picks and maybe a few reasons why. Sometimes I'm just so blown away, I babble, I blunder, and, well, I'm always thankful you forgive me for it and you keep coming back. So thank you to being you. Thank you for being here. Man, my first choice is an all-new Swamp Thing. It's Swamp Thing number one, as written by Ram V, with art by Mike Perkins, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by Aditya Bidikar, with... An original cover by Mike Perkins and Mike Spicer, with a variant cover by Francesco Mattina. And we open the story with a lovely mystery sort of feeling, you know, something akin to a murder mystery, but more importantly, something that feels like it's a reminder of how there's death all around, especially when you're thinking about places like a desert environment, somewhere where mysteries are so easy to believe in, where the unknown still exists. It doesn't have to be some Arctic region far off in the nethers like Alaska or the uppermost northern reaches of Canada. It can be somewhere like a desert where in the day it cooks everything and at night it freezes everything. So how is it that a character like the Pale Wanderer occurs? with an origin of a soldier. So here's my test. For those of you who are giant Swamp Thing fans, is this a character who's ever been referenced in the past? Whether it's by any of the talented writers to pick up the story of the Swamp Thing. And if that's true, where? Give us a, a viewpoint. Otherwise, if this is brand new, does it carry any elements from previous versions of those we might refer to as nemeses to the original Swamp Thing, because this introduction to what a villain might be like, capable of, based on, or perhaps even 
a glimpse into their personality and their reasoning. We then move into the story of Levi Kamei. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Uh, Mr. Ram V, if you're out there and I'm doing it wrong, just tell me. I will do my best to get it right for you next time. Hopefully you're listening, and if you get a chance, pass the word through anyone. i just like to know I'm telling your story correctly. It's a great story about what happens when there is a desire for reconciliation between a father and a son, and what ominous nightmares, dreams, depending on your perspective, or your understanding of the green and all the characteristics that make Swamp Thing so powerful, so impressive, and why for this reason it becomes a really interesting story that unfolds through the method of dream, through the crossing of realities, and to a very painful lesson, one in which the Pale Wanderer really identifies the idea of what happens when someone, something, is an elemental. They might exist in different forms, but the reason they exist persists. And for that reason, this horrific instruction appears to be part of the initiation for Mr. Levi Kamei, who happens to be a well-regarded biologist and someone who actually started his academic career at Columbia University. I feel echoes of a Mr. Holland. Curious to see how much that will persist into this story of Swamp Thing, which I think is a wonderfully original take and one that offers not only glimpses of just pure beauty and for those really lucky to have the uh, brilliant art and the combination of skills that we get from uh, Mike Perkins and Mike Spicer. The desert feels orange and red in the daytime. The wonderful sort of sepia tone flashback is gorgeous and almost romantic. And then the nighttime when the dark is either tinged with the green of a swamp thing like uh, presence or when it happens to be the nighttime in the desert when the sky looks purple and perhaps that pale wanderer has more colors than we actually thought. Either way, it's easy to say that this book is quite brilliant and on top of it i love it when i notice a message about or a comment regarding lettering work and the lettering work here by aditya bidikar there is something so original about the way that the pale wanderer presents not only like a tone and a dialogue but also then how it matches with a swamp thing who's clearly for those who are familiar with the story, taking on the role of Avatar of the Green, but whose voice is so different from that of Alec Holland and his confidence and decades of experience, and this new Swamp Thing, terrified, lonely, and captured so well with amazing letters. Here we have it, folks, my first five out of five book. Ooh, do you hear the plane soaring in the background? This list is taken off, but whether the planes are flying or not, I promise you will not be left behind. That's not the purpose of this list. I'm not here to speed on through and see how well you catch up. Plus, thankfully, most podcast players, streaming devices have that little 15-second rewind button. So in the event, goodness forbid, it should occur. Well, please know that I'm just waiting right here with you because the only thing that matters is that you actually 
take to heart the amazing pieces of this story I'm trying to share with you. I love starting things off with a wonderful introduction to a new character, one who feels so similar to the past, but also remarkably and wonderfully original, and because of that, authentic, set in its time and place. That's my first pick, a great 5 out of 5 choice, which moves us around into my second, and for that one I am talking about Suicide Squad number 1. Now for my second book, I'm talking about Suicide Squad number 1 for the following reasons. One, if you didn't catch the story as it developed in Future State, this is all going to feel like a strange sort of mystery. If you did follow that, there will still be wonderful moments that are explaining how, through the process of development, things ended up the way they did, possibly, in Future State. It's almost like Future State is a glimpse into that future possibility, and now the idea behind these current stories is to face that apprehension that will that or won't that actually come true what will be the defining moment that either sort of seals its fate or, through some other action, changes the direction so that even though it's not what we've already read, it could be either very similar or wildly different. And I think that's the part that I'm going to look forward to the most simply because of how well each of these setups now brings us to the present and Man, in this present, wonderfully crafted by Robbie Thompson on the script with Eduardo Pansacan on the pencils, Julio Ferreira on the inks, Marcelo Maiolo on the colors, with Wes Abbott's letters and Pansica, Ferreira, and Maiolo combining for the original cover, while the variant cover is crafted by Gerard Perel. I don't know which one of these you're going to prefer the most. However, I will say you get more of a team shot on the uh, original cover, and you definitely get a Peacemaker-themed variant. I mean, it's pretty much all Peacemaker right there, which isn't all bad things considering Suicide Squad will be leading to a spinoff of the Peacemaker in an HBO Max series, all part of the stuff we get to look forward to in 2021. And, I mean, if you don't feel completely sated after catching the Snyder Cut on March 18th, well, maybe this is something to continue to keep the hunger at bay, that that ravenous desire to always ingest more and more great DC Comics stories. Whether it's in comics or movies, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to tell you my picks and why I think Suicide Squad number one is a great five out of five pick to be my second book. Rick Flagg, Loyal patriot, committed, for the most part even forgiving of all the ways Amanda Waller has been who she is, the most dangerous person in the world with the power at her disposal and the will to twist others against their own nature. He's really upset. <laughs> He's got good reason to. He's just so frustrated by the fact that up until now he believed that he understood what the role of the Suicide Squad was. Uh, a team of losers, team of they'll either fail or they will die at the end of the mission or completing the mission isn't actually any form of success. It's just a way of staving off the eventual, the, well, everybody's going to die. And if you're in prison, you have a choice of either sitting and rotting or at least being out there on the field when it happens. 
That's all changed because Waller is tired. She's simply frustrated. And what she is doing now is something that Flag describes as proactive, something he disagrees with, which makes sense for anybody who has ever seen what happens when someone tries to create a proactive approach to either crime or worldwide problems. Batman learned from it with uh, Brother Eye and Omac. Well, guess what? Waller will eventually learn the same. There were hints of it in Future State. And what it was she was trying to accomplish, not only on the world that she's on, but on another world. Now, we do get a fun mix of characters in this story, wonderfully rendered, gorgeously rendered, uh, through the art and color team, whether it's Peacemaker Underground and the sewers, whether it is the glowing green screens that Waller is watching while listening to Rick Flag rave, and the green tint sort of coloring not only his actions, but his emotions... Their conflict comes to a striking and painful ending. But through it, we also see a team of figures who are (laughs) picking up and rescuing someone who many would feel is not the person you rescue. Because of that, there is a classic Batman villain, one who against Batman doesn't always look, or even Nightwing, as impressive as now, where facing off against, well, Peacemaker, Shrike, Bolt, and a few others who decided to join the party, their intentions get interrupted by Joker Toxin, and we see a few of the members meet their sudden and not-so-swift end. What's this all leading to? To someone else who can lead the team instead of Rick Flack, someone else that Waller believes she can control and who can, in being controlled by her, execute her will more completely than Rick Flagg has been able to up to this point. If you've read Future State, this will not be a surprise, but because I'm not here to provide spoilers ruin this for you in any way, I will say that this discovery is one that has already been hinted at, but nonetheless is a stark reminder of where that story led to in future state and whether or not it will potentially do so in this suicide squad series starting with number one my number two pick a five out of five book for this week's episode of dc comics news spinner rack in just a moment all of the sound will fade away to that wonderful intro music for all of our great ads and all the things you're going to want to hear about whether it's great deals, Uh, where we are on YouTube, some of our collaborations with other great podcast groups, or so much more in store and available for your delight. Then I'll be back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. I promise when you turn in, I'll be back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. 
35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5. DC News 35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories a show celebrating Batman, the animated series, week by week, episode by episode, just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nards. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. 
part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. (laughs) Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, as promised, as I said, doing my best to keep my word here on episode number 95 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Thanks for joining. We already went through my first two picks. Those were Swamp Thing and Suicide Squad. If you're just tuning in, and I'm not sure how that happens with streaming... Uh, exactly. Maybe it's in the background. Maybe you weren't listening. Maybe your friend handed it off to you for three, four, and five. And it's just something like that. However, it might work out. If it's like I remember television as a kid and you tuned in at whenever it was going and that's just how you get it, well, welcome. We still have three more books for you to enjoy. I'm going to go ahead and lean back, crack and pop a few joints, and in the process, Feel that wonderful relaxation that comes with settling in and enjoying a really fun story. Crime Syndicate, number one. Whew, (laughs) okay. So there's a certain appeal for a world that is dark and made darker by the actions of those with powers that could potentially change everything and yet because of what they are, rarely does, especially on A world that is like ours, and yet so significantly different. For example, in 1963, in November, it is not the death of a beloved president, but a monarch-like dictator who is executed, and not by three gunmen or one man in a book depository, but by a young boy who has harnessed his powers, and because of them, decides to take destiny into his own hands. In this story written by Andy Schmidt, 
We have Gorgeous Pencils by Kieran McCowan, Inks by Dexter Vines, Colors by Steve Olaf, and Letters by Rob Lay, with an original cover by Jim Chung and Romulo Fajardo Jr., as well as a variant cover by Scan. Take your pick, take your pleasure. They're both great cover shots. The variant has a bit more of a painted feel to it, and both are lovely. If you're looking to add a pair of number ones to your collection, we've already talked about two. Why not make it three? And if you double up, what is that, like six? I'm not a math major, but who knows? I could be getting close to something here. So what's it like after the young man decides to become an adult, take on the role of Ultraman, and flex just a little bit? Well, We see just how dangerous the world can become and what sort of dangers we might all be facing. Because of that, we are introduced to not only this version of Superman, but also the formation of a group when Superwoman makes her own personal move on the White House and invites the appearance of, well, maybe others, if not for the grand and great interruption. A nemesis, one that <laughs> longtime Justice League, Justice League fans will recognize as a figure who once helped unite the original Justice League, and who now, in this powerful moment, invite the reader to consider the possibility of just what it means to take what we know and twist it on its edge. Now, the story doesn't just end with the arrival of a big bad. We also get a lovely glimpse at some of the other characters, like Owlman. We get to see Johnny Quick, who is uh, a very creepy new version of a character who's always fairly creepy, and a glimpse at the origin of Ultraman and how his experience so vastly differs from that of Clark Kent that It's a wonder there isn't more even completely different about them and why it is that this will continue to be a great series that many fans are and will be looking forward to. In the Paranoid Titan, not only is there the opportunity for a reason behind why these characters are so compelling, but there's a series of reasons that unite together with this team and how long they can sustain such a a wonderful spiral that feels like it could go upward, but because of the way the world is, will always continue to be an up and down and never perfect, a vile and ugly look at the world. Now, the wonderful thing about this new series launching off is the fact that so far, there's a really clear intention behind Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair when it comes to what it takes to (laughs) render not only the previous story and the current story, but also the backup story that follows this introduction to Ultraman's past, who he was, what he could eventually be, how dangerous his history is. So what I love too is that it feels like there's an intention and a goal behind creating one sense of the world after the heroes have taken charge 
and another sense of it before that, the foundation. For those who are fans of the Arrow TV show, it reminds me of whenever they would show Oliver in the present day, and then they would show him flashing back to his time on the island that made him the Green Arrow that everyone knows, loves, and watches. So I'm curious to see how that continues playing out. I think it's a, a really gorgeous uh, example of how there can be these wonderful, sort of unique and specific perspectives on how things we know could have potentially shaken out and how also the bright and wonderful colors that might feel so inviting in stories we're used to actually seem to point out the glaring ugliness that exists on this world. I'm really looking forward to seeing how many more times Crime Syndicate number one, actually Crime Syndicate the series, because Crime Syndicate number one already made it, but how many future issues will be appearing on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack? Now for my fourth pick, I decided to go with Batman number 106. I really love this sort of approach that's being taken by uh, James Tynan IV, as well as by Jorge Jimenez with his art, Tomu Mori's colors, Clayton Cowell's letters, as well as Jimenez and Mori providing the cover and variant cover, as well as a 125 ratio variant cover from Ricardo Federici. Interestingly enough, I got a kick out of the fact that it's Dave Weagles who is the associate editor on this story because I recently had the chance to enjoy a great Dave Weagles story, and I look forward to seeing how many other stories, writers and associate, associate editors will be crossing over. I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> how many more ways this can occur, but I'm also looking forward to this really interesting approach to the Scarecrow that's being taken by Tynan and Jimenez. It's one that recently Brad and I, Brad Felicki that is, were talking about on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, and because of that, we had the opportunity to point out some of the unique and very, I've used unique now in just the past couple of minutes. I'll try and see if we can switch up some of that word choiceage. Uh, the very powerful and haunting new take on the scarecrow whether it's a different hat <laughs> a gas mask that is very ominous looking or the way he happens to have captured batman and is holding him prisoner at the beginning of this issue that leads to a fight between batman and scarecrow's words which potentially are influenced by the toxin he uses so often and so well and appears to now be available through syringes attached to the ends of his fingers, how that could <laughs> manifest itself is going to be interesting. We also get to see more of the collaboration between Ghostmaker and Batman, which was recently hinted at and so wonderfully captured. And because of that, we also have the opportunity to learn how newly elected Mayor Nakano is approaching the cusp of unleashing peacekeepers on Gotham. Future State, Gotham stories from Dark Detective to the next Batman, demonstrated just how dangerous this possibility will be for the future and for our heroes. And through it, we also have an opportunity to discover just what kind of dangers the mayor and others might be facing. Bonus is a second story, Demon or Detective by Joshua Williamson, with art by Gleb Melnikov, ALW's Troy Pateri on the letters, uh, 
and Dave Weagles again as the associate editor. Now, in this story, you have an opportunity to find out about the League of Lazarus and what sort of dangers they present and what's going to happen when we see Damien facing a very similar situation to one that he faced when Tom King put him face-to-face with a friend in danger. Can he this time make a different choice that will save a life instead of end it? Highly recommend checking out this great 5 out of 5 pick, my fourth choice. I'm talking about Batman number 106. And for my fifth book, my final of the final, I have chosen to go with Infinite Frontier, issue number zero. I love all of DC's anthologies, and Infinite Frontier picks up right where Death Metal, uh, Generation Shattered, Generations Forged have all been building towards. In this, we have a look into the future with amazing writing from Joshua Williamson, James Tyne IV, Scott Snyder, with a framing story art by John Timms and color by Alex Sinclair, and a host of wonderful stories inside. We have a Justice League story with Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez, color by Tamara, Bond villain. Batman story written by James Tynion IV with art by Jorge Jimenez, color by Tomu Mori. Wonder Woman, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art by Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales, colors by Emilio Lopez. A Wonder Girl story, written and drawn by Joelle Jones, with color by Jordi Belair. A Green Lantern Alan Scott story, by James Tynion IV, with art and color by Stephen Byrne. Teen Titans Academy, written by Tim Sheridan, with art by Rafa Sandoval and Jordi Tarragona with colors by Alejandro Sanchez. Superman, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Jamal Eigel, and colors by Hi-Fi. Green Arrow and Black Canary, with a beautiful story written by Josh Williamson, art by Alex Malieve, and colors by Jordi Belair. Also, Stargirl, written by Jeff Johns, with art by Todd Nowak, colored by Hi-Fi, as well as Green Lantern, written by Jeffrey Thorne, with art by Dexter Soy. Colored by Alex Sinclair. The Flash, written by Joshua Williamson. Love seeing that name return to a great character he forged in a wonderful series. This Flash story features art by Howard Porter, color by Hi-Fi, and an epilogue. Written by Joshua Williamson, with art by John Romita Jr. and Klaus Janssen, and colors by Brad Anderson. So many of these great names combining together to offer a glimpse. Something suggested at the beginning of the story the idea that things will never be the way they were before. And that should be a good thing, and hopefully it can be. But the force is aligned. Watching the characters at play, the ones who are part of so many other challenges, and why it is that names like Shazadam will always feel funny on the lips and remind us of just so many of the dark things waiting in store. We get a great appearance of characters who have been on the fringes and recently working their way into the forefront, whether it's Grifter, whether it is Themyscira, whether it is so many great characters and the possibilities they suggest. From a new Wonder Woman to a new Justice Society, 
to a history they all shared and the reunions that are available. This is a wonderful collection. I highly recommend. It's a five out of five book, not only for the stories it tells and the beautiful art that captures them and the spirit each one collects and reflects, but for the through-line narrative that draws them all together and makes them part of one lovely collection, perfect for your shelf, and the best way for me to end this episode, number 95 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Wreck. It's been a pleasure to hang out with you, tell you about all these great books, and get the chance to read them and be the one to bring them to you. Please make sure if you haven't, hit that subscribe button on whatever your podcast platform is so you make sure you get every new episode of The Spinner Rack, DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, shows like I Am the Night and Mad Love that are episode-by-episode breakdowns of Batman the Animated Series and Harley Quinn, respectively. Future shows like Tropesville and Flicky Fashions, and even our YouTube edition I'm talking about, DCN After Dark, hosted by Kelly Gaines and Mr. Tony Hastings. We have so much more in store, and you can send us messages, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or more. All you have to do is use the at symbol in DC Comics News, that's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S capital N, E-W-S. When you do, leave us that message with that tag. You'll guarantee the whole team gets it, and we all get a chance to hear it, and maybe one of us gets to respond. Of course, you can always send a direct message to me on Twitter at one more singleton, or just type my name, Seth Singleton, and the word story into a search engine. When you do, find me however you like, send me a message, and let's start a great conversation. It's been my genuine pleasure to hang out with you and share all these great books, And I can't wait for the next time I have five new books to share with you. Until then, it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to another great chat. And in the meantime, as we like to say here, whatever you're doing, always read more comics. Have a great night.